1: This is Jalen Tober, and you're listening to Player Profiler. It's officially draft season, baby. I'm your host, Cody Carpentier. You can find me on Twitter at CarpenterNFL. And with me, as always, my main man, Andy Milnick. You can find him on Twitter, at FFDataKing. This is the Future Cast, and it's officially draft season. I couldn't be any more happier. Andy, I know you're excited for this. Combine's two weeks out, but we still got college ball to talk about. Let's kick it off tonight, talking about a little bit of SEC drama. I know my man Gus Malzahn was fired. I was always a fan of Gus. Just because, I guess, I like Cam Newton and uh, the kick six against Bama. I like to watch Bama lose, but is Auburn ever going to dethrone Bama? Ever? What's the what's going on right now with Auburn?
0: I wouldn't hold out hope right now, man. Uh, so, if you haven't been following the stories online at all, after they fired Malzahn, who came off a winning season, another winning season, a consecutive winning season, uh, they, Kevin Steele stepped in and was the odds on favorite to take over and was a favorite from a lot of the boosters at Auburn as well. Uh, but Auburn decided to go ahead and choose to hire Brian Harson out of Boise state. And even though all seven seasons at Boise state, the team had a winning record. Uh, however, his first season at Auburn wasn't as pretty. Uh, the Tigers went six and seven this year and to make matters worse, it, it just started to fall apart after the off season. Bo Nix transfers. Tank Bisbee luckily comes back. Their defensive coordinator leaves to go be the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma State where he takes a 400 grand pay cut in order to coach there. So rumors start swirling, what has happening to Brian Harson? What's going on with this program? Then you look at social media. Former players, current players that have transferred are coming out saying He's treating players like dogs. The atmosphere and the culture there is just terrible. On top of that, there's rumors swirling now from TMZ-like outlets claiming that there's some funky business going on with him and his assistant uh, who came back over from Boise State as well. Uh, So there's a lot of factors factoring into this, but it seems like Auburn is kind of in shambles right now. You're an SEC country. You got to give the people their hope, even though you come off a six and seven season. That next year's going to be better. You look at the rankings for their recruiting and their transfer, and they're just not where they once were. Uh, right now, twenty twenty two Auburn Tigers are ranked ninth in the SEC in recruiting rankings, ninth in transfer rankings, and tenth in overall team rankings. Uh, this things have gotten so bad. The athletic department had to come out and say, "Hey." everyone it's only his first season guess what we're still keeping him i mean when you your employers to come out and say listen i i i love i love our coach and we're keeping our coach you know a year after you sign this guy you're kind of on the rocks there so long story short a lot of drama going on A lot of people transferring. We're not sure if Brian Harson can pull the recruiting rankings up in time to save his job. But he could be a two-year and out-the-door coach if the boosters get their way. Is there any chance Gus comes back? I don't know, man. Gus has had some success at UCF. And if you're over there, you don't have as much pressure. I I could see him taking another job somewhere else, uh, maybe in the ACC as a head coach of a program that's up and coming um you know virginia tech wants to fire their coach they did hire it after a couple of years cuz he's not the guy maybe they hire him but I, I think it's hard i think it's hard for auburn fans to want gus malzom back because it was just one of those things where after a while you just need a fresh start like he was he was just hitting a wall that's that's the thing, like with the Vikings, especially they had they had
1: Zimmer up here for eight years and Spielman for sixteen, and it wasn't like he was terrible, just that the job never got done. But it was weird because Mahlson actually won a championship, so like he knew how to do it and bring in the certain guys. But it's tough, man. Tough to have Bama in that in that defense. Tough, tough when you're in the same state, getting out recruited, and there's nothing you can do about it.
0: Yeah, the difference there, right, is you have the greatest. Yeah uh, college quarterback of all time in Cam Newton. Right. So let's move on to what Arch
1: Manning, Arch Manning, obviously hands down number one quarterback in the 2023 class. He's got it narrowed down to what? Three, four schools, uh, Texas, Ole Miss, Bama, Georgia. If recruiting ended today, we're going to be talking about Arch Manning for the next couple of years, obviously on this show, but, if recruiting ended today and he had to sign somewhere tomorrow, where do you think he would go?
0: Uh, I think each one of them has, has their merits, right? So Georgia coming off the most recent national championship, right? Good coaching program, foundation. Alabama's got, obviously, Nick Saban. But you're going to have to compete against some other guys that that are going to be there as well. Some incumbents. Uh, Old Miss, you know. Eli, his uncle, and his grandfather, obviously, Archie Manning, both played there. So there's some legacy that could play into them recruiting him. Uh, but then again, you got to compete against Jackson Dart. And again, I obviously, Arch Manning is as good as he is. We're going to be talking about him, like he said, for a few years. You're still going to have to compete against Jackson Dart, who's a highly talented recruit, too. Uh, so that kind of leaves Texas as kind of being the favorite. But with them and their head coach... I don't really believe in Steve Sarkeesian. I'm not a Steve Sarkeesian fan. I don't. I didn't like the hire, so it's it to me be like a weird fit. But I think Texas is probably the best option for him if he wants to stand out. Uh, I mean, I ideally he'd beat out the competition at Alabama, but if he doesn't, you're just another quarterback on Alabama's roster, waiting your turn.
1: I want Texas. I want him to go to Texas, but the answer is old Miss. I don't think he goes the Bam or Georgia route. I think the answer is old miss. You have Dart there right now. Twenty twenty-three comes around. Arch Manning's the guy. Uh that's where I would go. Quinn Ewers is in Texas. I think he looks at Ewers as more competition than he would Dart. I think the art the uh I think the Lane Kiffin connection is gonna draw Arch even more just to get him pro ready. Pro style, Old Miss connection, everything's in line to go to Old Miss. I would love Texas. I love, I think the idea of making Texas great again, back to those 04 Vince Young days where I'd go see my grandma in the nursing home and we'd sit there and watch Texas win 74 to nothing against these teams. Like that was the best college football I'd ever watched in my life. I don't give a shit who you are. I know there's a lot of good teams, but watching Texas score 70 points every week in and week out, I mean, come on, who wouldn't want to see Arch Manning do that? I would want to go Texas. But I think he signs with Old Miss. That's that's my feeling.
0: That'd be sick. It'd be cool to
1: see him in, in uh, those powder blues. I think so. Let's move on to some players that are trying to move out of the next level, but instead they came back. So we have a couple opt-outs over the last couple of weeks from the NFL draft. That's Seven Banks, cornerback from Ohio State, who not only withdrew from the draft, but he entered the transfer portal. So he's not going back to Ohio State. He just, like – this this feels like one of the worst situations you could possibly put yourself in where you're going to go to the NFL draft and instead you opt out and not even go back to the same school but transfer out. You're just like, peace out, I'm going to go somewhere else. It feels like a sticky situation. And then the other one that I actually feel bad about is Jackson Kirkland, the tackle from Washington, who's having ankle surgery. He was looked at as a early third, maybe late second round offensive tackle in certain areas, like certain scouts had that uh, grade out there on him during early mock draft season, November area. And he's going back to Washington as an opt-out, getting ankle surgery and then going to play a senior season. Do you have any thoughts on either of these guys, uh, the seven bank situation?
0: No, I, I think i got to agree with you, man. It, opting out and then jumping in the transfer portal does not look good. Um, you know, your heart breaks for Jackson Kirkland just because this was never going to be a – I mean, there are a lot of offensive tackles that are in the draft this year. Um, a couple of guys that we're going to talk about later that are highly touted. He'd have a lot of stiff competition, but it just sucks whenever one of these guys who's right there on the edge, you know, day, you know, round three guy, round four guy. Man, it sucks. So wish him all the best, and I hope, I hope we see him again.
1: Let's answer a question from the chat really quick. If you're out there listening out in the player profiler universe – like this video, subscribe, leave a comment. We're going to be adding memberships soon. You can be able to join us, have them super chats, all that stuff. But go right now, leave a comment, ask us a question. Brian Langley in the chat on Facebook. AJ Brown or Traylon Burks straight up in a dynasty trade. My answer right off the bat, I'm gonna let Andy answer this as two, but my answer right off the bat would be at this stage of the game, I would want more for AJ Brown than Traylon Burks straight up. I think. In a year's time or two years' time, they could potentially be close to each other, potentially. But there's a lot of things that have to go right, draft location, all that stuff. If I had A.J. Brown, and I was trading away A.J. Brown for Traylon Burks, I would want something more.
0: Dude, you're crazy. It's Traylon Burks. It's Traylon Burks all day. It's Traylon Burks. I'm looking at the chat, too. We're seeing folks saying that it's a proven asset in A.J. Brown. But you're talking about a guy that's now, what, are we going to throw the injury-prone label on him now? I mean, he's up and down. His quarterback is 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 pedestrian at best and Ryan Tannehill and how long is Tannehill even gonna be there for? And and we saw the line degrade this year. It cost Derek Henry a foot. So what are we gonna do next year when the line breaks down again because uh you know, they're getting older, they're not able to keep up with the NFL. And AJ Brown hurts his ankle again, hurts a hamstring, calf something happens with him again that causes him to miss more time. G- give me Traylon Burks. Give me the youth. I, I know we're enamored with A.J. Brown. His efficiency is route running. The-, the size of his feet, his hands, you know, the the picture of with his shirt off of D.K. Metcalf. We- you know, don't get me wrong. I like working out like everyone else does, but I'm, I'm taking Traylon Burks, and I-, I don't think it's that big of a question. Whoa, that's a take,
1: man. Right now we have Burks at 15 in the Dynasty wide receiver rankings. I think, obviously, I think he's going to climb up to the top 10 as soon as he gets a, a, a landing spot that we enjoy. A.J. Brown currently sitting at 3 at 24.6 years old. Top 10 target share. Top 10 hog rate. Top 5 target rate. Top 3 air yard share. All the, all the metrics point towards A.J. Brown. 7th in fantasy points per route run. 7th in total yards per route run. I think everything's there, but... The health, and that's exactly what you pointed to. Andre Johnson, his best comparable in player profiler, also had some uh, injuries throughout his career. Um, So you can see that toe uh, line in line. But um, A.J. Brown, number three, Burks, 15. I think it's closer than that within a year's time. I don't think it's outrageous, but a lot of people right now, I think, would call you crazy for that take. But (laughs) I I, I like you sticking to your guns and, and, and riding with it. So... Good question from Brian in the chat. Like I said, anybody else in the chat have a question, throw it in there. We will answer it as time comes around. Let's move on to NFL Combine snubs. The Combine rosters came out just last week, and they were loaded. Massive list. I can't remember how many guys were on the damn list, but there were some guys that stuck out that did not make the list. Guys that were at the – there was one guy on here that was at the Senior Bowl. That's TJ Pledger. He was a late add to the Senior Bowl from Utah. I believe he's a former Oklahoma running back. And then we have Cameron Harris running back from Miami. We have wide receivers Jerry Stearns from Western Kentucky. Javon Highlife from Coastal, surprised me. And Ja'Cory Robertson from Wake Forest. And then tight ends Derek Deese from San Jose and Trey Barry, And then our guy at quarterback, Akil Glass, did not get invited to the NFL Combine. What the hell's going on with Akil Glass?
0: Yeah, I, this is puzzling. It it, it definitely is. Uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, he's he's a phenomenal athlete with proven production at an HBCU and has shown time and time again that he's got a, a good intermediate ball, good short route ball, a uh, little inaccurate in his down-the-field passes and deep throws and across the sidelines, but he seemed like a guy that would have made sense to invite to this combine. I mean, he's got the look of an NFL quarterback, right? He's 6'5", 215, and he plays just as big typically whenever he's out on the field. So th- this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um again, it's one of your top assets. One of the guys that's definitely going to go in the draft at some point. He's it just seems bizarre that he's not that he wasn't invited.
1: So, we talked about this as well when we were adding this to the show sheet, but he did get invited to the HBCU Combine a few weeks ago down in Mobile. The thought is, because we actually moved him up over Bailey Zappi in the rookie rankings at quarterback, kind of having that be our guy, our guy outside the top five that is going to rise. Obviously, we talked about Bailey Zappi going down a little bit. He still has plenty of time. I know you love Zappi to rise back up, but do we think Glass going to the HBCU combine and not the NFL combine? Do we think that is a deterrent? Like it's not a good thing that he's not going to the NFL combine, or do we think it's a good thing because some teams were like, "Hey, shh, don't go, don't go,
0: we like you." Yeah, you know, I, I almost lean towards it being a, a point of pride, right? But typically, when you got guys that go to HBCUs, it's because they choose to go there, and instead of going to a, a larger school that isn't, right, one of those HBCUs. Yep. And as a point of pride, so I know some players, right, have talked about it in interviews where it's like, hey, I chose to only go to the HBCU combine and wouldn't go to the actual NFL combine because this is this is who I am. This is what I'm about. This is what I want to represent. This is the statement that I'm making as an NFL player, right, or as a future NFL player, as I want to be for this group of people. And so, I think it's admirable if, if if that's the case. That's the way I want to, I guess, my spin zone here, right? Positive spin zone is to say, hey, listen, he's got a point of pride to make. Um, he's a smart guy. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's got a civil engineering degree, is coming back for systems and material engineering graduate degree. So he's not he's not a dummy. He knows his worth. So I, I lean towards that angle less so than he thinks he's going to get shown up by... Bailey Zappi and Carson Strong and yeah. some other guys are here to be at the, the Combine.
1: I think that's a good process, good thought. He was there with his man D. Anderson. Maybe he knew D. was not going to uh, get invited to the Combine. So maybe maybe there's a, a clause in there where he said, no, man, I'm not going. Uh, and like you said, just took the pride. He went to the HBCU Combine. He played against Jackson State, obviously the most notable team. Uh, I believe they went 11-1. The only team they lost to was... Alabama AM, and m he had uh, 400 yards and like six touchdowns. So I think maybe he feels like he did enough. Uh, but let's talk about that HBCU players. There's four of them that went to the combine, the HBCU combine that will be going to the NFL combine. And one of them, Jatir Carter from Southern. Jatir, Jatir, I can't, I don't Not really sure. There's an apostrophe in there. Offensive lineman from Southern. He was at the Senior Bowl as well. So he's hitting everything. He's hitting the HBCU Combine. He's hitting the Senior Bowl. And he's in the NFL Combine. And he dominated at the Senior Bowl. He looked great. Probably going to be the highest rated guy drafted out there. Uh, Also Joshua Williams from Fayetteville looked really good at the Senior Bowl. And then we have Jacoby Durant and Marquise Bell from FAMU. All three of those guys are DBs from HBCUs going to the NFL Combine. So shout out to those guys. Let's move on to quarterbacks we just talked about a glass what other quarterbacks should we be talking about
0: more going into
1: indianapolis
0: yeah i i think the first guy or there's a couple of guys that we haven't talked about a lot because they uh weren't either at the senior bowl or weren't eye-popping when it comes to the stat sheet the first that i think uh, comes to mind here is scholar thompson out of Kansas State. Uh, if you watched him play, he started off his career kind of as more of a rushing quarterback and wasn't very good throwing the ball. And then as the years kind of progress, he gets better and better at throwing and and runs less and less. But that also coincides with him having better running backs in the backfield there as well. Uh, So over time, less rushing, more throwing. I think he'll be interesting to look at. Again, these are some guys that when we talk about them, we're not... Quite sure how they stack up against the guys that we've seen play against one another in the Senior Bowl, right? That we've seen on film, actually do this stuff. So I think he's interesting, right? Six two, two twenty three. Um, there's another guy, Dustin Crum, out of I think what is it, Kent State? Cody? Kent State, yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, he's an interesting guy too to watch. Um, he put up some some really good numbers in college too. And then I think the last guy I would say. Uh, is Cole Kelly. <laughs> this dude, I was elated to watch this guy's tape because this guy comes out of nowhere six seven two sixty, playing the wrong position, possibly even the wrong sport. He just looks absolutely massive, trucking dudes over, making these really long, beautiful throws. You know, started a couple years at Arkansas, transfers down to southeastern Louisiana, and was was pretty good. So I would say he's another guy to watch out for there too. What's a, what's one guy you're looking forward to watching at the combine? I like that you mentioned this Cole Kelly guy because, again,
1: he, he is like – he should be a left tackle. I'm reading 6'7", 260 on ESPN for a tight weight. I've seen 230. I've seen all over the board. So I'm interested to see what he comes in at. But he won the Walter Payton Award last year, and then he was runner-up this year. So – I think that tells us what they think about him in multiple 400-yard games. Like, I want to see this dude's arm. I want to see, like, imagine if this guy is what we wanted Carson Strong to be, or at least what I wanted Carson Strong to be. Like, I don't even know what I'd do with myself if if he comes out to Indianapolis and just, like, just starts ripping darts down the field. That would be, I'd make my day. Um, But my guy, I think, would be Caleb Ellaby uh, from Western Michigan. He's another guy that can grow his stock and potentially jump Bailey Zappi uh, for more NFL scouts, especially with the kill Glass getting screwed out like we just talked about. I would move Glass over Zappi like I mentioned earlier. I think we can move Ellaby into that conversation, into that conversation, uh, depending on how he goes into Indianapolis. Um, but I think overall entering Indianapolis, I still got to keep Malik at one. Um, I really like Pickett and Corral and Howell. I think those guys are in their tier by themselves. Uh but I, I, w- I would love nothing more than to see Carson Strong, Cole Kelly, um, and and even and even Caleb Ellaby just put on a show. I, w- I really wish Akeel Glass was going. I really do. Yeah, it'd be cool to see how he stacks up with those other guys, you know, coming from an HBCU. It'd be cool. I w- will say one thing about a guy you mentioned, Dustin Crumb from Kent State. I was going through all of the back end data where you can find it, you can actually find it at playerprofiler.com forward slash data dash analysis. You can find all this stuff by position. You can type in quarterback, college, QBR, age, all this jazz. And the top two QBRs in this entire draft class, well, I just gave you the answer. I was going to ask you, hey, what do you think? But it's Matt Corral, 89.9, and Dustin Crum, 88.5. And I know Crum was in the Mac. I get that. But Corral eighty nine point nine in the SEC. Crum eighty eight point five in Maxion action. So Crum can zing it, and uh, we'll have to see if he can climb up just as far. I have not watched as much Skylar Thompson as you have, uh, but Caleb Ellaby would be the guy that I really want to look forward to in this draft.
0: Yeah, no, and and don't don't talk smack about Maxion, man. Maxion is electric to watch. Where else can you find? A, a, a series of schools that will fumble backwards twenty five yards. Someone picks it up. They fumble again backwards again another eighteen yards, and then someone's able to pick it up and throw it past the line of scrimmage for a ten yard gain. All within the span of thirty seconds. It's it's electric to watch.
1: Uh, it's it's truly the <laughs> best. I, it's I, the best. I there.
0: was I was able to go. I'm not going to jump
1: in this rabbit hole, but I was able to go to a couple Northern Illinois games during my. uh, junior, senior years of high school, and that was back when the I believe it was Jordan Lynch was the quarterback at Northern Illinois, and he was an, a complete animal. I remember he was in Heisman talks, all that stuff, so you can't be talking smack about the match about the and action. But let's jump into underdog fantasy. If you haven't been on underdog, get over an underdog right now. You can jump in the big board. This is their early 2022 best ball drafts. Use that promo code UNDERWORLD. Get yourself up to $100 deposit match. When you sign up, jump in the big board. Larky's in there. I'm already in there. Andy's already in there. The followers in there. 10 bucks per draft. Jump in the big board. I'm in a couple slow drafts as we speak. And the value, especially at wide receiver, is ridiculous. Running back is the same thing. You can get guys like Isaiah Spiller in the same range as Tony Pollard. We're talking about Chris Olave at the same range as Ramondre Stevenson. Christian Kirk area. Rondell Moore. The value in these 2022 rookies at this stage of the game, mid-February till probably mid-March, you have a month right now to attack these values. When I say attack, I mean attack. Garrett Wilson as my wide receiver three on this team, Jamar Chase, Pittman, Wilson. I have another team that's Pittman, Judy. About to draft Wilson. I'm up in two picks. Wilson's going back-to-back with Kadarius, Tony, Robert Woods. I have another team that's DK Metcalf, Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson. I got Burks at the 48th pick. I got Wilson at the 73rd. And and I'm talking like, I got Garrett Wilson one spot. He's currently, his ADP is 81. And that's one wide receiver ahead of Odell Beckham. And Odell Beckham, as we know, he just tore his ACL. So I'm not going to jump much further into that on underdog because our main man, Josh Larkey, is going to be doing a code breaker this weekend on just that, the underdog values of these rookie wide receivers. So jump on Underdog Fantasy today, use the promo code UNDERWORLD, and get your ass drafting. Now, a couple more listener questions we got last week. We didn't get to answer them, so we wrote them down because we care about what you guys ask. Always. Who is the Cooper Cup in this draft class, Andy? Well... (laughs)
0: Let's, let's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's an easy question. It's a very, yeah, it's easy, very question. easy question, right? Let, let's just go ahead and take a step back here and admire a Cooper Cup did in college, right? He finished his career at Eastern Washington with 428 receptions, 6,400 yards, and 73 touchdowns. Folks, he did not play quarterback in college. He played wide receiver. He played wide receiver and put up 73 touchdowns. So when you ask me, who is this year's Cooper Cup, (laughs) And I average out those numbers throughout the year. I look for someone who averaged 106 receptions, 1,600 yards, and 18 touchdowns per game. There are some quarterbacks that don't even qualify for those numbers. So I would say, if you're going to put it on me... I The best person I can give you that's another FCS guy, maybe that's undervalued, that's that is probably going to be a steal in the draft this year. It's going to be Christian Watson. But I don't know, man. I, I really can't. I feel bad being like, hey, there is a Cooper Cup in this class and this is who he is because there is nobody like Cooper Cup that I've seen. What about you?
1: I want to ask a question regarding this uh, Cooper Cup guy the Walter Payton Award, which is known as the FCS Heisman. Right? How many quarterbacks since the year 2000 do you think have won that? 21 years. How many how many quarterbacks have won this award? I'm going to say 3. 17 quarterbacks quarterbacks have won the FCS Heisman. Wow. 17 out of 21 years, a quarterback has won it. Three years, a running back has won it. And once in 21 years, a wide receiver has won the Walter Payton Award for the best player in the FCS. That one year was Cooper freaking Cup. So if you're looking for the Cooper Cup of this class, I, I it's going to be a tough one. And like you just discussed, there's not very many choices. Christian Watson seems to be the clear FCS talent in this class. Um, I I wouldn't even want to flag plant any of these guys as being the next Cooper Cup. I love Christian Watson, but that's a high freaking bar to, you know, people are like, well, you know, Cooper Cup wasn't that dude, but he was that dude. I'm sorry. He just was old. Jaquez Ezard from Sam Houston's a guy, but he's undersized 5'9", 190 Dejon Dixon from Nickel State, 6'4, 200. He's nice. Both these guys are nice. Ezard showed up to the Senior Bowl midweek. It had a pretty good showing, looked nice. But again, we're talking about Cooper Freaking Cup. If you're talking about value, I really like Sky Moore. And that's not counting the FCS thing because he's obviously not from the FCS. He's from the Maxion Action. But. When you're talking about value at Sky Moore, when you're talking about FCS level talents, it's Christian Watson, it's Jaquez Ezard, it's Dejan. It's one of these one of these three guys, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's yeah, it's hard to answer and give you a one for one, and it'd be irresponsible for any service out there to tell you that one guy entering the draft this year is the Cooper cop to this draft because nobody has come close to matching his production. It's ridiculous because it's like I'm looking at this.
1: Walter Payton thing, and I quit, quit hating to keep going back to it, but, like, Cole Kelly, we just talked about him, the quarterback from southeastern Louisiana. He won Trey Lance, Devlin Hodges, Jimmy Garoppolo, Taylor Heineke, Tony Romo, Brian Westbrook, Adrian Peterson, the first time from Georgia, West, Georgia Southern. Just, like, running back, quarterback, running back, quarterback, and this dude is the first wide receiver to win the Walter Payton Award since 1997. And since 1987, when the award was created, there's the only two guys to ever win it from the wide receiver position. So I just say let's slow our roll on looking for the next Cooper Cup and just look for a guy that's valuable. And for me, the biggest value, I think, is Sky Moore, Christian Watson. I think we can agree on that. Another question from the chat,
0: is Jalen Tolbert's ceiling Darnell Mooney? I'm going to tell you flat out, man. No, his ceiling is higher. His ceiling is absolutely higher. Uh, Tolbert, so starting off here, right, as as a recruit, Tolbert received offers from Michigan State and from Vanderbilt. So don't let the small school of going to South Alabama draw you off of him because he chose to stay home and play for South Alabama, right? There's something different about folks that want to stay home and play for their, you know, the school that's nearby, maybe the school he grew up watching what have you, right? And that's all fine and great, but you got to put up big numbers if that's the case. And and fortunately for Jalen Tolbert, like, he absolutely did. I mean, he balled out, right? Looking here as a junior, 64 receptions for over a 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns at 17 yards uh, per catch. I mean, just an absolute monster staying home and playing here. So... I would say, no, his ceiling is definitely higher. He's also bigger than Darnell Mooney, like just weight-wise and height-wise. So I would say that. What do you think? Do you think his ceiling is is Darnell Mooney? No. I think his
1: ceiling is not Darnell Mooney. I think his ceiling is Stephon Diggs. And people are going to jump at that and be like, what the hell? But Stephon Diggs was a fifth-round draft pick. Highly touted recruit from Maryland. But when we're talking about a guy that's 6'1", 205, jacked his shit and looks more physically imposing than Stephon Diggs. And we thought, we talked about in the prior episodes, we thought he could have came out after his third third year, his junior year. Thousand yards, eight touchdowns like you just referred to. And then he comes back and absolutely destroys the competition with 1,400 yards and eight touchdowns, going over 100 in, like I think it was like 10 of his 12 games. I can't remember it offhand, but I believe it was like 10 of his 12 games. He went over 90 uh, receiving yards, which is absolutely ridiculous and exactly what you want to see. He only went below 90 yards twice, 4 for 65 and 2 for 54 in those two games, and the one against Elkhorn State, they were blowing him out. So two receptions is two receptions, but... You're talking about ceiling, you're talking about like a Stephon Diggs. You're talking about floor, you're talking about a little bit, a little lesser, I mean, I guess as a prospect, a little lesser with Darnell Mooney, but we like Jalen Tolbert. I really like Jalen Tolbert entering the NFL. I think he's physically imposing. I think he's great at the, at, at the catch point, great route runner. Like I said, he dominated at the Senior Bowl. The only difference is Christian Watson looked great, too, so... Tolbert didn't get all the praise, but he should have. He, he, as soon as Jahan Dotson opted out, it was it was Tolbert's show to lose. We talked about that on the on the on the preview show about wide receivers. This is a home game for Jalen Tolbert, and it's like we talked about before. Born and raised down there in Mobile, Southern Alabama, stayed home. Could have went elsewhere, but he didn't, and he dominated, which is exactly what you want. So, the ceiling
0: for Jalen Tolbert is Stephon Diggs for me. Where else are you going to find hard-hitting analysis where we claim prospects are better than players that are already in the NFL that have proven assets, and we compare prospects to players that are at the top of their game right now? Hard-hitting analysis. Bang, bang. Bang, bang.
1: It's better that than them being like, well, who do you, who do you want me to compare him to? Do you want me to compare him to, like, Tyler Johnson? Like, that's not fun. What 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 part of like?
0: Oh yeah, this guy. This guy's Byron Pringle. I can hear subscribers clicking unsubscribe. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Click oh, yeah. subscribe.
1: Uh, this yeah. This guy. Like right here, this subscribe. is subscribe. Yeah. We'll keep giving you the hot takes. This Joey. Okay, I'm gonna answer this live question. Joey two times says didn't know about Tolbert, but would his numbers be the same in Big Ten competition? Well, he played Tennessee this year, who is SEC. He went 7 for 143 in a touchdown. He played Coastal Carolina, who was top 25, 10 for 191 in a touchdown. Louisiana Lafayette, 6 for 143. Pretty well-known schools. Yeah. Tennessee, SEC, Coastal Carolina. I mean, I think he'd be just fine. Like, this guy is a stud, and like I just said, he was at the Senior Bowl competing against um, Roger McCreary, McCreary. Darion Kendrick, like he was competing against all these guys and beating them. Joshua Williams from Fayetteville. um, I can't, the other guy's scratching my name, but anyway, he went to the Senior Bowl and dominated. That's the point. The point is he went there and dominated, and that's not South Alabama competition, even though he dominated all those guys as well. He came to the Senior Bowl and beat the guys that he needed to beat to take the next step, and that's why I have him going round two to the Atlanta Falcons to fill in that big dog role. So I'm excited about that one. Let's move down a little bit further, though, and update the fine people on the number one overall pick. I have Evan Neal in my latest four-round mock draft. You can find that on playerprofiler.com forward slash articles. Type 2022 and you'll find my mock draft 4.0. That's a four-round mock draft. I'm also doing a series Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays live, 10 a.m. on Player Profiler YouTube channel. You can find it right here, right now. Just click that subscribe button, turn the bell on, and you'll get notified when I'm live and that's breaking down each mock draft by team by team. Number one overall pick, Evan Neal to the Jacksonville Jaguars is my mock. I've seen some McWanu. I've seen some Charles Cross floated around. And of course, you have Hutchinson and Thibodeau. But this feels wide open this year. Looking at these odds, Hutchinson being number one, 40% implied chance of going number one.
0: Do you still lean Neal? Do you, do you agree with me on Neal, or do you think they're going to go Edge? Dude, I, I agree with you on going Neal. I mean, like, I, I, I love the idea of having Aiden Hutchinson. Don't get me wrong on defense, but, I mean, Evan Neal, uh, you either get Evan Neal or you get Ekem new, right, from North Carolina State. You get one of those guys, and if you don't, I mean, there's a lot of good players that are playing Edge this year that are that – are, later in this first round, that you can even trade back and grab. So, yeah, I would go Evan Neal, Kemi right? Jermaine Johnson. Yeah. Jermaine yeah, Johnson. Yeah. It's, it's called g- value. It's called fucking Absolutely. value.
1: The best defensive end in this class is not Aiden Hutchinson. Breaking fucking news. <laughs> no, it's not. It's easily not. Anyways, the implied chance of draft is Aiden Hutchinson, 40%, at plus 150 odds. Evan Neal, 28%, plus 250. Kayvon Thibodeau, the dude that should still be number one, 16.7%, plus 500. Akeem Akwanu, the other tackle, plus 800 from Northern Carolina State, 11.1%. And then it drops down from 11.1% to 3%. That's Charles Cross at plus 3,200. And then you have the quarterbacks, Pickett, Willis, at like 2%, Kyle Hamilton, 1%, Stingley, 1%, and Corral, 1%. I'm going to throw this question at you right now. Looking at these numbers, we've seen Stingley fall down a lot of mock draft boards, but most of this list is pretty consistent with what we know. Seeing Pickett, Willis, and Corral in the top 10 for odds to, go, to get drafted number one overall, seeing all three of those guys, Pickett, Willis, and Corral, does that make you feel more confident that all three of these guys are going to go in the top,
0: let's say, 12 picks? Uh, I would say I would feel more confident about that if uh, I didn't just watch the latest mock draft that ESPN came out with, like Hyper and, and McShay came out with today, Um in their in their second mock draft, or 2.0, they got Howell going at the end of the first, like pick 30 or even 32, I think, something like that. And they've got the Steelers trading up to grab Malik Willis. And then I think uh, someone else is grabbing Matt Corral after that. Uh, so, no, it, it feels like a lot of these guys are going to be top 20 picks, maybe not all top 15 or even top 10 I just think because there's so much vet, there's so much uh, defensive talent right at the top of the board here. I I can see Howell maybe dropping, uh, Corral, Pickett, and Willis are all going to be top end, and I think Malik Willis is still, you know, we talked about it last week or the couple weeks back. Like he's the number one quarterback in our rankings. I think he's the number one quarterback now. Consensus around the industry, people are just catching up a little slower than what we did. I like that. Um, And I agree with you. You said top 20.
1: I have four of these guys in the top 18, so I feel pretty good about that. Let's move on. Let's finish it out. Next week is the Combine. Like we said, we're about two weeks away from the Combine. Who is your vote for the fastest man at this year's Combine?
0: You go first. Ooh, fastest man. It's usually a receiver, I would guess. But you know what? (sighs) I think I'm going to go chalk. I'm going to go really chalky here. I get the feeling that Brees Hall is going to come in here and absolutely blaze at the combine. I think think he's going to come in here and blaze. I I don't know if I'm going to say he's a top. uh, He's going to be the top uh, rusher or top runner at the 40-yard dash, but he'll blaze. Who's the guy from... uh, Who was the late add to the Senior Bowl that was like a down-the-field threat? Uh, Braylon Sanders. I'll pick pick him. He looked like he was absolutely electric and fast to watch at at Ole Miss. So I'll take Braylon Sanders, final answer. I like it. I like it. I got my guy.
1: I'm very confident. in. I penciled him in at the Senior Bowl midway through day number one. This guy finished out his college career, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. Didn't rush a lot, but when he did rush, he finished with 8 carries, 169 yards rushing, and 3 touchdowns on the ground. 2,500 receiving yards. He came in at 5'7", instead of 5'9", and he came in at 173 and not 162. The fastest man at the 2022 NFL Scouting Combine is Kelvin freaking Austin. Show go follow Andy on Twitter. Get him up to a thousand followers. We need to get him pumped up at FFDataKing on Twitter. Go follow the Futurecast at the underscore Futurecast. You can check me out at CarpenterNFL. Otherwise, click that like button, click subscribe, leave some comments. We will answer them. Until next week, this is the Futurecast. We out. Joey, two times in the comments, he goes, That little Memphis receiver. <laughs> I laughed when I read that. I was like, I was trying to create data points in my head. And I read that shit and I was like, Oh my God, this guy hit it right in the head.
0: Dude, you're crazy. His quarterback is pedestrian at best. A.J. Brown hurts his ankle again. A.J. Brown hurts a hamstring. A.J. Brown, calf. Hurts a hamstring. Hurts a hamstring. Calf. More time. More time. More time. Hurts a hamstring. Hurts a hamstring. Calf. G- give me Traylon Burks. Give me the youth. I I know we're enamored with AJ Brown. His efficiency. is route running. The-, the size of his feet. His hands. You know, the the picture of with his shirt off of DK Metcalf. We you know, don't get me wrong. I like working out, like everyone else does. But. I'm I'm taking Traylon Burks, and I, I don't think it's that big of a question. Jermaine Johnson. Jermaine Johnson. It's called value.
1: It's called fucking value. The best defensive end in this class is not Aiden Hutchinson. Breaking fucking news.
0: A.J. Brown hurts his ankle again, hurts a hamstring, calf...